Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. It's an honor to be with you tonight. I guess I'm a little old-fashioned. I have to have my own hard copy notes, but um, it's, uh, I, I just appreciate the folks in back trying to stay up with where I'm going and where I'm not, they're, they're doing a great job, um, and uh, they, they, they uh, you don't realize how good they are until you're up here, <laughs> you really don't, but um, yeah, I met Josh and a team a few years ago as they were trekking through the jungles of Guatemala, and uh, boy, I tell you, they were such a refreshment as far as the team goes, and it just blessed us so much there, uh, uh, I think. Josh could be a great missionary. <laughs> I'm not trying to recruit him <laughs> at all, but uh, just his love for, for people, uh, for uh, here and abroad, and your church's uh, support in so many ways. Um, I, I, I believe just uh, reaches heaven, and God is very pleased with it. He really is. As, as Josh was saying, we're uh, looking at some stories that Jesus told, and for me, one of my um, favorite stories is about the wise and the foolish builder. To, um, to give you a, a glimpse of what is happening before that, Jesus has just finished uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And we're in the Sermon on the Mount, basically he's talking about how does man live with his relationship with God and how does man live with his relationship to each other. And he, he kind of sums it up with this verse uh, in Matthew seven twenty four through 27. Therefore, everyone who listens to this message, messages of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The, the rains fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, but it did not collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who keeps on hearing these messages of mine and never puts them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Let's start off with a word of prayer. Lord, I just thank you this morning for your word, and that is the foundation we can build on. Lord, we've all been in those uh, sands of this world, and we know that uh, they can lead to nothing but self-destruction. But thank you, Lord, that you extended the opportunity that we could rebuild our lives on your word. And we give you praise for that. Be with us this morning in your name. Amen. Living on the coast of North Africa like we did uh, many years ago, it was a beautiful place. We lived right at the Straits of Gibraltar where you could look out and see... Uh, the peninsula of Spain. From Spain, you can look back and, and look at the, um, the mountains of uh, Morocco that in Greek mythology, they, they were the, the hills of Hercules. And uh, just a beautiful place, a lot of history there. And our, where we were living right, right on the, the straits, uh, our ministry to the people there in, in North Africa took a lot of of uh, dips and turns. But I remember the, the first uh, Christmas 
that we had just moved in, into our house. And Christmas Eve night, I'm laying there in bed and we're getting all excited about the next day. And all of a sudden, I feel something drop dripping on my face. I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. Anyways, <coughs> I turn on the light, and sure enough, water kept hitting me. Pitter-patter. Um, there was a major leak in our roof. We had just experienced this torrential uh, storm. Rain was coming in every which way. Mold was growing on the wall, scared our kids half to death. And it, it was just that where you live there. Well, we, we got buckets underneath, moved our bed, got the buckets underneath the drip, but we had to move from room to room because drips were coming in everywhere. I thought, wow, what a way to celebrate Christmas. Finally, uh, it, it finally stopped a few days later, we, and uh, I tried to find out why, why was it leaking. And I, I couldn't discover any holes or anything. And I remember one man came up to me and he said, Jerry, and, and he knew the area, he said, Jerry, your problem's not up there, your problem's down there. I asked him, I said, what are you talking about? He said, years ago, back in the 1920s, when these houses were built, they were built on the city's garbage dump. I said, great. <laughs> and he said, the houses, they shift so slightly. And when the foundation shifts, guess what happens? The roof cracks. To me, this story just illustrates so much what Jesus was talking about. These people built these houses because it looked good, it was, had the space, it was near the water. But it was on shifting sand. Of course, they didn't care about it because it, it, it didn't start that till years later when, when they left. But Jesus here is talking about people. They hear the Word of God. Both people hear the Word of God. One puts it into practice. The other one just kind of puts it, they download it in their storage. And it's just there. Where their belief is here, but maybe their behavior is way over here. Yeah, Jesus, what you're saying is good, and I believe it. But as far as really practicing it, only the man who built his house on the rock was doing that. And all other, all other ground that is not built on Christ is sinking sand. John talks about this in First uh, John chapter 2. He, he says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of life and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let's break that down a little bit. What are, what are the sins of self-destruction as it relates to this verse? He, he says here, the pride of life. He says here, um, the, the lust of the eyes. Uh, he, he says here, these are not of God. 
And they can be things such as building your life around self-entitlements. I deserve this. I deserve this house. I deserve this car. Maybe, or it may be in uh, uh, self-gratification. What can I take in me that will give me a momentary relief from the pain I'm having? Building your life on a false premise. Or, or maybe building your life around my rights versus her wrongs. <laughs> if she would just see things my way, she would be happy. That's what arguments usually boil down to, I've, I've discovered, when you, or disagreements. But Jesus, but Jesus is saying here to John, for, in, in 1 John, people who build their lives around arguments, people who build their lives around uh, gratification, self-entitlements, things of this world, it's self-destruction. The question I always ask is, when have you had enough? When, when have you had enough that you are going to be truly satisfied? And, and the truth is, people aren't. And, and maybe you're here today and, and you say, Jerry, I've, I've kind of built my life on some of these things. Maybe, maybe you're here today more than just on sinking sand. You say, Jerry, I'm, I'm really coming quicksand right now. <laughs> I'm going down. I, I remember years ago... When I was working on a road construction team, uh, we were building a drainage ditch. This was in South Florida where the Everglades are and everything real, real gator friendly. And um, <laughs> trouble is, I was look, watching out for the gators when uh, truth is I should have been looking at the sand because I accidentally stepped into some quicksand. Well, I don't know if anybody here ever been in quicksand. <laughs> I, don't go there. But it's not what you see in the Tarzan movies, you know, where you're going down, you're grasping the grapevine and that. But it gradually uh, pulls you down. And the more you fight at it, the deeper you go. Finally, there, fortunately, there were some other uh, men there, and, and they, they pulled me out with a rope to get out of there. But maybe you're like that, and, and, and the harder you fight, the, the more you try to do, the deeper you sink. Jesus ran into people like that in his day. People who had built their lives on the sands of this world. He encountered many of these people. And, and today I want to look at one, one person who had built her life on the sands of this world. Uh, we read about it in John chapter 4. It's commonly known as the woman at the well or the, the Samaritan woman. And Jesus and his disciples come into Samaria. Uh, he's thirsty. He stops at the well. He sends the disciples in to get some food. And he meets this woman who you, you already were beginning to ask questions. One, why was she alone? Two, why was she coming at the middle of the day? And uh, three... Why was she willing to engage with a man which usually never happened back then? But Jesus begins a conversation with her. And it's not long before you discover, you see, this woman had some major, major issues. We pick it up in John 
4, uh, where he's, he tells her, go and call your husband and come back here. The woman answered, I don't have a husband. Jesus told her, you're quite right in saying, I don't have a husband, because you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. Have you ever had anybody come up to you that seemed to, they, they know something about you, you don't know how they knew about it? <laughs> that, that, that happens sometimes, and you just think, boy, this person, how do they know this? You see, though, I'm, I'm sure this woman, she didn't start out with saying, waking up one morning when she was young, saying, my goal in life is to have five, maybe six husbands. I think that's the greatest thing in life. Yeah, nobody wakes up expecting the sins of this world to swallow them. Sure, this woman had all the hopes, the dreams, the desires of a young young bride, spending her life with, with a man. But something happened. Disagreements led to arguments. Arguments led to fights. Fights led to maybe separation, accusations betrayal, whatever. That ended. She moves on to the next one. Maybe the same thing. It wasn't long before she had moved so far down the road that basically you could tell what her future was going to be. Because all you had to do was look at her past. And apart from Christ, Unless there's a change, people's past become their future. And you don't, have to, you don't have to read crystal balls to understand that. Because they keep repeating, repeating, repeating. That first, first house crashed. That second house crashed. That third and on down the road. And I'm sure somewhere down, down the road she, she, she could told you what was wrong with every husband. I remember talking with a guy one day who wanted to uh, give his life to the Lord. And we started talking about his past and come discover he'd been married four times. And in a process of about a half hour, he sat there and told me what was wrong with each woman that he married. I said, is there a chance you think you could have been part of the problem? (laughs) Oh, no, not me, man. (laughs) They were just all losers. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) But something happens here. As this woman encounters Jesus, they keep their discussion going. And the woman says to Jesus, I know... That the anointed one is coming who is being called the Messiah. When that person comes, he will explain everything. One day, I'll get the answers from God I'm looking at. He'll give me all the answers I need. But until that day, I'm just going to push on. I believe this is what the woman was saying. But here's Jesus' response, and you've got to really catch it. I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Think about it. 
Here's Jesus. The God of all creation who threw the stars into space, who created all the plants, created the universe, created life, is sitting down with a woman who was completely rejected by her own people. The Samaritans were rejected by the Jews. She was rejected by the Samaritans. How much lower can you get? As they say in Texas, lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. <laughs> That's pretty low. You been there? <laughs> Where all hope seems to be gone. And Jesus just shows up. Some of us just need to hear that today. I'm here for you. Jesus is saying, I'm here for you. You see, you look at scriptures, you look at history. Jesus from Genesis, when he, Adam and Eve were hiding in, in the forest because of their sin, and God shows up in chapter 3, verse 5, and says, Adam, where are you? To the book of Revelations, the end, in chapter 3, verse 20, where he says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. God is in hot pursuit of you. (laughs) He loves you. I believe the verse that sums it all up is in John 3.16. And no, that so is not a a typo, okay? (laughs) For God so loved the world. That he gave his only son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. I I shared that with one guy on the streets, and he said, is that in the Bible like that? (laughs) I love that adverb, so. Why? It's because God just doesn't love us. He loved us so much. Those of you who are married or you're looking to get married and and you, you have that love of your life, you remember when you maybe were courting and dating and maybe got engaged and you could just sit at Starbucks and just stare at each other for hours, maybe minutes, but, but you just sat there, you know, and it was like, they're in love. <laughs> you remember those? No, <laughs> but... But you know what? That's how God looks at us. He just sits there and gazes at us. I like the way one, one friend, close friend of mine, we do work in Guatemala together. He said this, if God were to love you so, if God were to love you anymore, you'd have to be part of the Trinity. If God were to love you anymore, you'd have to be part of the Trinity because that's what Jesus indicated in John 15. Where he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. And that's what that woman experienced that day. You see, God's love, you can't work for it. You can't earn it. He just wants to love on you. You say, well, that's uncomfortable. I'm kind of, I'm not too much of a touchy feeling. Get over it. (laughs) God is. 
he just wants to hug me and say, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you've done. I'm here for you. You let me be the contractor of your house, and I will build something that all the storms of life can't knock down. You see, Jesus' emphasis in, the, in this story of the wise and foolish builder was not on the storm. The storms come. So many times we want to spend our lives trying to stop the storms. When in reality, we need to ask the question, where's my foundation? What does a person need to do? To start building, rebuilding on the foundation? First, hang a, hang a condemned sign on your property that was built on sand and just let it say uninhabitable <laughs> and come into God's house. Surrender your life completely to Him. Give Him the keys to your house and say, Lord, it, it's yours. <laughs> I remember years ago we were working with a couple and this lady, uh, she, she was the one who initially reached out our ministry we were doing in Florida and she said uh, can you help me my, can you help my husband he, he's, a, he's got a drinking issue and I have two children I'm just so concerned can, can you help him and I said ma'am I like to but I really can't she said why not I said because he's not here I said but I can help you she said what are you talking about I don't have any issues I said well let me ask you how much anger do you have in your heart towards him? How much resentment? How much bitterness? How much fear do you have in your life? I said, this is what God wants to change. And, and you're asking for help, and this is what God wants to do in you. So, in the process of all her changes, <laughs> she changed the locks on her doors. <laughs> Her husband comes in one night, finds his suitcase out on the front porch, <laughs> and his key doesn't work. And he says, honey, let me in. She says, call Jerry. <laughs> I said, oh, brother. He calls me and says, uh, Jerry, what have you done to my family? I said, John, what God's doing. He said, well, I'm ready. We were able to get him into a residential Christ-centered program for, for as a three-month program where he went and lived. And when he was getting ready to finish the program, it was right near Christmas time, and his son was in school. And he drew a picture of a Christmas tree in his classroom with, with a box underneath, and there was a man, a figure in the box, and the teacher asked, who is in the box? thinking maybe it was a doll, a G.I. Joe or something. He said, no, that's my father. I'm getting a new daddy. How did that happen? Because his mother surrendered her heart, her past, her present, and her future to Christ. And when she did, changes begin to happen. You surrender. Second thing you do you begin 
to follow God's blueprints. What are God's blueprints? Number one, His Word. You get into the Word of God so that the Word of God can get into you where the decisions you make are based upon the Word of God. You get into prayer. We have a little plaque on our wall, on our refrigerator at home that says, Jesus didn't pray about things. He brought things about through prayer. Question, how much of prayer is a part of your lives? Asking God to do great and mighty things. Being a blessing to others. You say, well, Jerry, I, I just don't have time. I understand that. You may have infants. You may have newborns. You, you, your schedule may be such. But if it's nothing more than starting out with ten minutes of where you're in the Word of God and, and you're in prayer and just spending that time alone with the Lord, following His blueprints. Uh, if, you're, if you're like me, men, a lot of times you get something you to put together or maybe even... You're, you're building a, a house, you have blueprints. But if you're putting something together, you just start putting it together, and then when you run into a problem, you start reading the, the directions. I have anybody can can relate to that? I remember when we got our, uh, our new house, the bathtub upstairs got clogged up, and I poured everything down it trying to get it fixed. Drano, you name it, nothing worked. And uh, my wife said... Maybe you need to call a plumber. I said, nah, I got this. Long short of the matter, ended up breaking the water pipe. And I'm holding it down. And I said, Jenny, shut off the water. She goes, where is it? And it, I realized right then I didn't even know where it was. <laughs> I said, I don't know. So I go running down the stairs. We're running around the yard looking and finally find the water switch from the city and get it turned off. You know how much water you lose in 15 minutes? <laughs> I say 2.5 for one minute in the shower. <laughs> 2.5 gallons. Our whole downstairs was flooded. And then Jane reminds me that Jerry, you know, in a week, our daughter's getting married. I said, yes. And she said, you know, the wedding party is going to be staying here. I said, oh, brother. <laughs> what would it cost me? Maybe $80 for a call from the, for a plumber. Had to pay for it. Remodeling a new room. Taking out all the dry uh, sheetrock. And then had to pay for the wedding party to stay at a motel. <laughs> I mean, it was expensive. Why? Because I chose to follow my own blueprints instead of something simple. And when you, when you follow God's blueprints, you're on that solid foundation. The other area is that we need to remember is that you rebuild with others. It's not just yourself. But you let other people be a part of your life. I, I, I love this image of uh, these, uh, these workers on this barn. They're, bunch, they're uh, Amish people. And uh, 
they just all come together and work together at, at somebody's house or their barn? How would you like that many men working on your house? How would you like that many people working in your life? Showing up your front door. But they work together. And as we work together, we build on a solid foundation. Jesus, um, Paul mentioned this in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another to love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. They had the same problem that we, we often have today. You, you just can't, People just were getting together in their house churches and then just going and weren't really fellowshipping. But what Paul is saying here is that we need to live as an encouragement to each other and let people encourage others. And when you realize that... Um, you, we, you, you can't do it alone. You, you begin to receive blessings and you want to give blessings to other people. But in rebuilding your life on what will last, not only do you need to surrender your, your, your life completely to Christ, your past, present, future, follow His blueprint, rebuild with others, but you build with the next generation in mind. Living in Guatemala, uh, they have a uh, city, uh, city dump for about just under 5 million people. It used to be way outside the city, but the city has grown up around it. And there's a whole community of hundreds and hundreds of people that live there in metal shacks. And a pastor friend that worked with there, he has started a ministry down there to the people of just not giving handouts, but really helping them learn uh, skills to, to really lift themselves out of that environment. And one of the things, he, he started a church down there, literally, in the dump. And, but one of the other things he started was a school. He, he wanted to start a school for the children that lived there. They had nowhere to go. And so he asked if we could bring teams in and, and so we began, and that too was on a garbage dump. And so we began to dig deep and deeper and deeper. And this picture is not one that I, I really, you know, look, look, look uh, the best at. I'm hot, I'm sweaty, I'm smelly. I mean, everything you could think of was going through my mind was probably that was happening at that moment. You had to keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. But what came out of it was this. You build a foundation for those that will follow. Bringing it home to our own families. What foundation are you building for the future, for the next generation? I believe that there are three areas that, of where we influence our children. And these are not what we want to do. I can say just through experience, these are the takeaways that our children are going to remember. Number one, 
your personal time with them? How much time do you stay, stay uh, you spend getting down into their world, apart from the iPhones, apart from the Game Boys, the video games, everything, just having interactive time? How much time do you do that? And trust me, time flies. It really does. And they're gone before you know it. Second area is, where's the evidence of the faith in your lives? I believe that our children need to see God actively working. A few years ago, our children wanted a cat. And um, <clears throat> I said, okay. <laughs> it was a step, it, it was a, a step of love. <laughs> Um, me and cats have just never connected. <laughs> you know, cats you never really own. You just manage. You pay their room and board so they can sleep all day and go out all night. I'm not going to say any more on that one. <laughs> and uh, so we got this cat and uh, it one day left. And it didn't come back. And I was secretly very happy. <laughs> and again, if you love cats, no offense. Great, more power to you. But for me, it was like, okay, it, it was kind of a wild cat anyways, what they call a feral cat. <laughs> and so it left, and it was gone. It was gone. I thought it was gone completely. Nine months later, it shows up at our back door. And it looks up at me like, where have you been? And where are my kittles? <laughs> I said, come on in. Our son was so excited. He said, you know, Daddy, I've been praying for the last two weeks that that cat would come home. <laughs> I said, oh, brother. <laughs> Far be it from me that I should pray against the will of the Lord. The point is, our son, we've tried to teach our son and daughter what it doesn't mean to trust the Lord. You want something? You pray about it. Ask God. Do it in such a way to where you know it's the, 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 the handprint of God that is on what you're asking. Third area, your moral character integrity when you're under pressure. How do they see you when, when you're really having uh, temptations when you want to lose it, like what happened in this, this uh, uh, one incident. This happened just a couple weeks ago in Colorado. Maybe you saw it on the news. Uh, Seven-year-olds are having a baseball game, and, and they didn't like the call, and the, who's all at the plate? The parents. They're fighting it out. By the way, those of you who are who signed up for our self-defense class tomorrow night, this is not what we're going to be doing, okay? Just let you know. But I want you to notice, where are the children? They're just standing back, staring. And I'm sure maybe some of the parents have apologized to their kids, but I can promise you, those kids are going to remember that incident for the rest of their lives. Character counts. And yeah, 
called humility and being able to walk away from situations of where you want to lose it. It means walking away. It, it, it means shutting down a computer if, if you're being challenged, tempted by websites that are less than edifying. Years ago, there was a woman who lived in the inner city of Washington, D.C. Her and her husband lived in a two-bedroom flat. It was during the time of the Great Depression. It was a dark part of, of, of American history when unemployment was like 60%. Jobs were rare to come by. They had five kids. Five children and one on the way. One night the husband comes in. He had been drinking. He cusses out his wife. Takes a shoe and throws it at her. Hits her in the abdomen. She falls down. He leaves. About a week later he, he's killed. Drunk driving. This lady was left to raise these six children. She did the best she could with what she had. But one night, the pressure got so big, so, so deep, she just decided, I'm going to end it all. And she stood on a chair, and there was a gas valve. And she, went, she wanted to turn on the gas. And right at the last second, she heard a voice that said, Don't do it. Don't do it. I will help you. She got down on her knees and cried out to God for help. In the weeks and the months and the years that transpired, a church really began to reach out to them and minister to them. That little two-bedroom flat became a place of a solid foundation. The children grew up to love and respect their mom. One of them became a pastor of a church. Two of them became leaders in their churches. One of them was at the Battle of Iwo Jima in World War II and was the only survivor of his unit. And the youngest girl she had, child she had, was a little girl who she was pregnant with when the shoe was thrown at her mother. She grew up and she married a pastor. That woman was my mother. The reason I'm sharing that with you is had my grandmother decided to pull the switch that night, I wouldn't be here. My children wouldn't be here. I could not have had the opportunities to marry my beautiful wife and to go into parts of the world. And what I'm saying is this, is that when you're building that foundation, there are going to be days you want to give up. There are going to be those times when you're going to say, forget it. It's not worth it. You keep digging, you keep building, you keep digging, you keep building. You may be here today and maybe you've thought of ending your own life. I want to let you know, God loves you so much. 
and you're special in His eyes. And don't let the world tell you you're not because you're of great value. Yeah, in the world's eyes, you may feel like junk. You may feel like a time card. Jesus says, you're precious in his eyes. And there's a body of Christ that will back that up for you. You never know what your future may be. Your impact. I just heard this this story about my grandmother a few years ago. She passed away in the early 70s and She never knew, but she knows now she's going down from heaven. (laughs) You never know the impact that you may have on those that are going to follow you. But even if, if you're not married, you don't have children, still impacting others. God can do great things. No matter what storms come, if you build it upon His foundation. So where do we go from here? First of all, you surrender your life to Christ completely. Your past, your present, your future. Say, Jesus, take the will. I'm yours. Second, maybe you just need to have new hope in your life. And you need to evaluate what areas you need to rebuild. Third, maybe there's somebody that you need to surrender or something, you just need to surrender to Christ, someone who you've let control you, and you just need to say, Lord, I give this person to you, I lay them on the altar, I want my focus to be on you. There's staff, there's, um, I'll, I'll be here near the front, if you'd like to share, talk any, ask any questions, we'll be here for you. My prayer is that you will build on God's solid foundation. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's Word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.